0: This episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 12th of April 2023 at home in Wicklow. And in it, I talk about who helped me feel good about becoming a father to a daughter. I also talk about how inspiration, even if it's not perfect, can come from anywhere. I talk about being a father and how I try to take a gender neutral approach to parenting. And in the latter part of the episode, I look at self-belief and the things we believe we are capable of. I say that these beliefs can persist alongside other negative beliefs, because life is not a zero-sum game. And I look at my own defining beliefs that inform so much of what I do. So that's what's coming up, and I hope you enjoy what you hear. Now, ironically, for, <laughs> for an episode that uh, a large part of which is dedicated to the idea of parenting and I'm having a specific look at my own parenting and how I um, try to parent my daughter. Um, ironically, we had a, a big row <laughs> before this episode because I was going to get her to record the intro. And we had a big fight about it, um, which I thought was it's kind of hilarious. So, originally she was going to be be doing this intro, and then she backed out, and there was a clash. So um, I'm just uh, throwing that in there um, to be transparent. <laughs> okay, I'll uh, I'll see you around the corner. Cheers. Oh. Change my mind Leaving the dream behind. Keep my emoji. Hi my name is Dara Clear <laughs> and you're listening to the Clear out. You're very welcome. Sorry, that was a very emphatic hi and uh, it made me laugh because I don't always feel that emphatic. Hi <laughs> Anyway, I hope this finds you well I hope the moment is a good one and if it's not I hope this is a pleasant diversion from whatever ails you the sun is shining the wind is blowing there's snow on the mountains there's a vicious wind out there and there's rain has been and gone but there's more to come it is changeable to say the least a cold Easter weekend the latter part of the weekend was cold the first part was quite nice and sunny but um, if the winter was very dry the spring has certainly been making up for it with deluges of of rainfall anyway here we are here we are again this is this is episode 99 (laughs) I can't quite believe that the weeks have ticked by i tend not to think of it that way but now that i've just mentioned that i'm like okay wow that's 99 weeks in a row i've popped this little baby out the podcast um which means next week will be episode 100 and i've nothing special planned for that i was mulling over some notions maybe a a list based episode 100 somethings or others but I'll only do what feels natural. I can't do anything that's too contrived. It's too. Uh, it goes against the grain of what this thing is that I do here on the pod, on the tell. So um, it'll just be a wait and see. It might be a completely, it might be a completely anonymous episode with nothing to distinguish it. Uh, other than it being part of the general effluvium of which I'm capable so here we are again another episode leaning into existential questions leaning into a little bit of navel gazing leaning into coping mechanisms strategies and being unafraid to ask open questions so what are those questions today the area that my brain has been drifting towards um, has something to do with parenting or being parenting adjacent and it also also has something to do with belief and inspiration and kind of faith faith in one's own ability um, and faith in what one believes one is capable of which is of course that's 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 a form of of self-belief that is a form of faith because that is a projection we're talking about what is possible we can only be referring to the future although when we look back uh, (laughs) when we look back at elusive um elusive memories uh, foggy, muddy, vague memories. I suppose then we can enter into the realm of possibility, which is tethered to unreliable recall and the extraordinary, the extraordinarily powerful and persuasive subjectivity of personal recollection, which. It's an extra, it's, it's, it's an extraordinary thing if you actually if you actually pause for a moment and reflect on that how events are remembered and internalized by different individuals and it's almost like it's almost like it's impossible to have true objectivity in spite of multiple witnesses because everybody is viewing things from a different perspective everybody, only has their own eyes through which to view events, their own being with which to participate, and yeah, I mean, and maybe that's that's a bit disingenuous uh, and a bit semantic. I'm not sure, but I think that's that's a real thing. But uh, but but I mean, okay, particularly if we stay in the area of memory and recall, um, and that's that's central to the the truism or the or the cliche if you prefer about you know nobody grows up in the same family everyone has their own experience of that journey those rites of passage that um that emergent experience the nascent consciousness the maturation journey um and Every child in a family will experience that differently depending on circumstances, depending on personality, depending on where, where the parents or guardians or minders, um, the significant parental figures, wherever they're at in their lives, dictate so much of what a child experiences, how the parents regard the child um what their relationship is to being parents how much energy they have how much more relaxed they are or not um because that's that's one of the things they say isn't it that new parents um end up infecting their firstborn with a lot of anxiety and fear and seriousness (laughs) and a sense of responsibility because that's how the parents feel and then by the time the second child comes around they're far less stressed because it's the second time around it's not new and the experience allows them to to be in a different mode um and then with each successive child <laughs> they're more and more relaxed uh until you know they they, they reach a point of utter indifference <laughs> that's um that's the sort of the half joke i make about my own my own parents there as as i got older um and moved into my my adult life the uh i don't i refer to the the smothering indifference of my parents that's a nice little um oxymoron there smothering indifference deafening silence all that kind of thing anyway um so Niels. So I think this let's let, let's start with some just some thoughts thoughts reflections memories um around parenting um because really yeah this is where the this is where the thread started for this I was listening to uh I was listening to one of my favourite podcasts you've heard me mention it before a film Podcast called the Rewatchables, and last week they were discussing. He got Game Spike Lee's uh, again, so you know, as so many of Spike Lee's movies are, but particularly from that era, it was a brilliant, uh, brilliant movie. Looking at a a father and son relationship, um, and the backdrop was basketball, um, and the the temptations and opportunities of an NBA career and a big decision for a young man to make, and Denzel Washington played the father um, who was let out of prison for uh, for a brief furlough to try and convince his son to make a good pick in terms of the I think. In terms of the college that he's going to go to, um, which will be like a feeder then to the to, to NBA stardom, uh, a film uh, of which I'm very very fond, a great Denzel Washington performance, bit edgy, bit gritty, um, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of things to recommend the movie. I think really from Spike Lee's heyday as as a director, I think it's late nineties that one. Um, but in any case the when I was listening to the podcast they were discussing this sequence in the film where it's a flashback to Denzel as a younger father and he was being really harsh with his son um playing basketball one on one and yeah just giving the son a really hard time um and being that kind of alpha hard-assed, tough love, alpha dad, um, but just with a bit of a bit of edge to it because, you know, I think he was drinking, the character's drinking and it's just a little bit too much. Um, and echoes there, are well, not maybe echoes, but rather the, the, the opposite. <laughs> so, you know, pre... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Pre-predicting, but anticipating... Um, Denzel's role in in Fences. The um, I've just gone blank on the playwright's name, but um, Fences in Denzel and Viola Davis make that into a pretty powerful movie a few years ago. Um, and there, baseball is the backdrop sport, but it's not really. It's not you know. It, it's not so grounded in that world. But Denzel again is the you know the alpha father. Um, who was a kind of a, a bullying, domineering father uh, in that story? So they kind of speak to each other. Those two, those two films. Now, fences, of course, was a big stage success, um, and I think Denzel, and um, I am thinking I am right, isn't it? Viola Davis? They were both in that on stage as well. But uh, you know, like the, the the filmed version of the play is you usually know when a play has been shifted to film and fences is no different um so if you kind of have your brain just switched to that mode it's um yeah no it's a, it's a good watch i liked it a lot but anyway i was thinking last week listening to this description of that particular scene from he got game i just got this flash of just asking myself okay what 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 kind of father am i in that sort of um in that sort of scenario if i was to be stepping into a a coaching role um and okay there's a couple of things here so one having done a lot of karate teaching particularly um over the years as well as uh you know classroom teaching it's just not my mode my mode is not to be um it's not the tough love mode it's not the excuse me it's not the the, the hard ass alpha mode quite the contrary um my mode tends to be i suppose firm but fair um it depends like it depends on what's being taught like in, in karate it can't just be all um it can't all be sunshine <laughs> there has to be a little bit of thunder and it's appropriate there but i know my my fundamental teaching mode regardless of what i'm teaching is to ground everything in a feeling of of safety and trust because I think that's when people will blossom. Um, and then you've, you've got to find that line where it doesn't stay too cosy, because then that can lead to complacency or a feeling of it's okay not to push a bit harder, which you don't want, um, in, in my opinion. But I've got enormous faith in the, the sort of the the i was gonna say the, the 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 gently gently approach um i just think stress is 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 the enemy of learning because our brain goes into different places and we get overwhelmed so you you know your, your role as a teacher is to be the the facilitator the door opener um and and if not the door opener, to help provide the the tools so the the student can open the door. Um, And I just try to find different ways to access, um, to access the, particularly if we say in the world of karate, different ways to access that kind of, that fire, that aggression, um, that necessary aggression, that positive aggression, that uh, explosiveness, that defiance, Um, which is tricky and a lot of people can can struggle to access that and i just find i have never ever liked the overly uh what i consider kind of very one-dimensional alpha kind of dominant example approach the getting in someone's face approach um depends i mean certain personalities respond better to that and i mean that's part of it uh, you know part of what one needs to build an awareness of and a sensitivity to as a as a teacher as a coach as a trainer to know what personality can handle what like what's the best way to motivate um yeah anyway so on that score that wouldn't be my my mode um as a teacher and yeah as a it was funny because I, I, I was thinking you know, what really came up for me was okay would I be different and this is this is maybe the I'm, I'm more interested in exploring here would I interact with my daughter differently if she was my son if she was a boy um, and I'd like to think not and it's yeah it's there's a lot of things that come up for me here because I remember when my wife was pregnant and I was uh, and in fact this might have started um, before our daughter was born because we, we had a couple of pregnancies that didn't go full term and I suppose that journey then of the journey of considering are speculating or anticipating becoming a parent. Uh that starts as soon as you know your partner is pregnant. You're going, okay, so what's you know, what are we gonna have? What's this baby going to be? Who's this baby going to be? What kind of father am I going to be? And I have to say, I I I was always I was always and this isn't built on any kind of like I will have a son, I will have a male child. It wasn't some sort of Henry VIII obsession But I would go to this place of, my, you know, a son. That was my my first instinct. Um, Not, I think, unconsciously shaped um, by, okay, I don't know, by, by just social influences. And I think I liked the idea of being a father to a son. I liked the idea of potentially being a good role model to another man um in the world and you know a man that was the you know the product of you know myself and my wife um and yeah it was it it was a funny journey then to kind of maybe i don't don't know what point maybe when we were when my wife was pregnant with with our daughter at some point on that journey, when it was clear we were going to go sort of full term and have a successful pregnancy, that I, yeah, I just must have engaged with the idea, okay, well, of course, this could be, this could be a little girl that's, that's coming out. And, you know, there was a part of me that was like, hmm, maybe I did want a son more because that's where my brain had just gone that's where my kind of emotional projection had gone and it was f- it was a funny thing and I was kind of going okay so it'll be different <laughs> it'll be different with a girl um, and I knew my wife and I knew that we liked the name Maeve um, and so we were very clear if we have a girl we'll call her Maeve and now this is going to be a bit of a tangent, but somewhere in my sort of internal reflecting and evaluating, and you know, looking at you know how I feel about this possibility, I just had a flash all of a sudden of a book that I had seen in my my aunt's house in Dublin on our, our previous trip back to Ireland. We were obviously in Australia at the time. And in her house, there had been a copy of a biography of an Irish woman who was a writer for the, the wait was it the New York Times or the New Yorker? One of those, um, you know, one of those journalistic institutions. Um, yeah, the New Yorker. I think it was Maeve Brennan. So the biography of Maeve Brennan, who I guess was writing for the New Yorker in the sort of the 50s and 60s, or maybe the 40s and 50s. Um, and I just had a flash of this biography and the cover, uh, and, on, and Maeve, there's a photograph of Maeve Brennan on the cover. I can't remember if, if, if she's she was at, like, it looks like she was at a, she, I don't know, there's three possibilities. One was she was either holding a drink at a cocktail party and looking very elegant and stylish and chic and quite striking Um, or else she was at her typewriter um, or else there was some other setting I can't remember like by a fireplace or something but this image of Maeve Brennan came into my mind and it was like all my kind of prevarications or, um, or reservations or little mitigations or offsets about, oh, what if we have a, a daughter? They just vanished, like instantly, instantly. And I thought, cool. There's, and um, it, my, my thinking was, there's an independent woman. There is a high-achieving intelligent stylish smart independent strong woman that was my thinking and I thought brilliant I thought that's cool so when our Maeve is born that's my that's the template that's my blueprint in my mind and it was instant it was absolutely instant and there was no gray area and it was hilarious. In a way, because (laughs) if you if you go and look up Maeve Brennan's story, she had a very ignominious end and succumbed to terrible mental illness and alcoholism and was almost destitute um, by the end of her life. Now, (laughs) I, I knew nothing of that at the time. I was just like, wow, cool. There's a really, yeah, distinctive Irish woman achieving at the highest level um, and being brilliant. Uh, that was my snapshot and a total projection. Um, but there's an interesting, I think, I think there's an interesting point to be made there. Because I, I consider that a moment of inspiration. And I consider it a moment of, of clarity and being spoken to from outside myself um, to help me move on 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 a certain path. Uh, And in this this case, the path was coming to equal peace with the idea of being the father of a a daughter as much as of a son. Um, And, you know, the the funny thing is that the, the inspiration, though very powerful, was was kind of flawed in terms of you know once I kind of dug deeper and revealed more to myself about Maeve Brennan's ultimate journey um but my conclusion is you can take inspiration from anywhere and it it doesn't matter you know, there, isn't a, there isn't a rightness or a wrongness to what might move you. There isn't a rightness or wrongness to what might be the catalyst to kick you on to a different way of thinking. It, there's no right or wrong to the thing that helps you achieve clarity or, or resolution. Um, and it's for no one else to impose their interpretation Onto the things that speak to you, um, and yeah, there's there's a. I think there's something beautiful in that. I think there's something really um, optimistic and hopeful, and um, available. Poss- you know, there's, there's available possibility of inspiration then and you know in 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 a kind of a perpetual sense that you know if if if, and maybe this recalls a little bit what i was speaking about last week how extraordinarily receptive and perceptive our brains are or or our being is in terms of what we can pick up and store in the vault ...even if we haven't realised it. It's like we have this kind of scanner... ...under the surface... ...that is operating independently... ...of our sort of conscious brain... ...and going, hmm, that could be useful... ...I'll just, um, yeah, I'll just stick that here... ...oh, that might come in handy later... ...I'll just pocket that... ...but unknown to us, there is a communication happening... ...some part of us is communicating with that scanner and going come on just um just keep an eye out for these things that have been rumblings stirrings in my subconscious um and help present them to me when i need them um and that that process in itself is almost an act of hmm almost an act of meditation because there's a very deep internal uh, communication with self, in a very, you know, in a very kind of unfrantic way, very calm. It's kind of allowing, allowing something to to rise to the surface, as if, you know, as if you're an ocean, and on the ocean floor, there's just endless, countless things. Like this is, you know, the ocean is what the ocean is your your memory, your 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 life till now. All the experiences, and every now and again, something will just float to the surface and go, Yep, here I am. Can you use me? Um, can I be of use at this moment in time? Um, so yeah, I was, um, mm, thinking of that, Maeve Brennan, Spike Lee, Denzel, parenting, parenting the son, as opposed to a daughter, parenting a daughter as opposed to a son. Um, so let me return to that and, and another related idea here. And maybe an idea of gendered parenting. Um, and what we might project onto a, a son or a daughter depending on our beliefs about what a, a girl or a boy could or should do could or should be Um, and I sort of believe not sort of I know what I believe I don't know why I'm couching that in a hedging term I think what I want for my daughter is largely gender neutral it's largely like what i want for my daughter is what i'd want for a son if we'd had a son you want them to have self-confidence self-regard um self-esteem um kindness curiosity um interest in in others um a willingness to to engage with life, an openness, a willingness to ask difficult questions and have difficult conversations. I mean, I I actually, I wrote a piece about this um, (laughs) piece. I wrote a piece really soon after my daughter was born where I laid out my, my kind of hopes and wishes for my daughter Um, and the person she might become and i think i'm sure i've spoken about this before Um, but i sort of yeah i I just kind of laid out like a uh, like a manifesto or a creed of hopes um, and desires for for my daughter and her path in life and certainly within that i allowed for a a sort of a countering and a a challenging of the the sexist challenges that she may have to face uh, as a woman in the world um and so in that regard i suppose like that's a gendered consideration isn't it because I'm going okay well because she's a girl these are possible things that she may have to face um, and of course if 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 we'd had a son they'd have different challenges to face and really the the play that I, I just took part in um, uh, last month um, was very much looking at that like what do young men face and it was you know a huge part of that exploration um and the work that is explored in that process um that that the that the play was a sort of a theatrical representation of is about looking at the the role of older men um older male figures role models uh fathers in particular of course um and that influence, but I think I've been very aware of that from quite a young age um it's certainly part of my my own my own journey um as you know my own journey as a as a man. I was very tuned into this as a kid I was very tuned into aspects. Of male behavior in older men that i didn't that i didn't care for that i didn't value that I instinctively distrusted, and some of those aspects were um some of those aspects were really they kind of fell into sort of two very obvious camps uh one obvious camp was the sort of the the alpha aggression intimidation bullying um the desire to be to be dominant um that some older boys and men demonstrated and i was always sort of repelled by that and didn't trust it as something that was coming from a good place um and then i also didn't trust the the sort of casual sexism and I mean I wouldn't have, as a kid I wouldn't have known the word misogyny um, but I suppose what I'd understand now is a sort of a casual, um, yeah, this kind of casual offhand, you know, misogyny and kind of objectification of women. Um, I, I sort of instinctively tapped into a, A sense of a sense of what? A sense of I don't trust this. It's unreliable. It doesn't. It didn't it it never spoke to me as something that was true. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's a good way to express that idea. I mean my distrust was this doesn't feel right and men I like indulging in this behavior feels a little bit off and i don't really want to be around it um mm. so and i'm not sure what that's rooted in i'm not sure where that came from um i think i think it was connected to some sort of nascent if not already very present idealism in me now I've I, you know I've spoken about this before this this trait I believe I have had <laughs> from a very young age and it can be a bit you know maybe it can be a bit naive at times um, and as ever you know once you're you're an idealist you're sort of doomed to be disappointed forever <laughs> but i think just in you know in relation to this specific thing about male behavior i didn't like and didn't trust and felt unsafe around um I, i think in my head i probably had an idealized version of you know older men um should be walking along a different line and if they're going to be if they're going to be people who are going to be leading you and showing you the way they need to do a lot better and they need to be much fairer or much um much more in control of those less savory impulses that's what i felt and maybe that's outrageous <laughs> <laughs> to To expect that of anyone um. but that's what I that's kind of what I felt and maybe maybe though that that sense came to me from I don't know maybe that came to me from books I read maybe that came from from the, the films that I watched and how I sort of fully embraced the idea of heroic self-sacrifice or nobility or decency or chivalry um you know where men in movies heroic figures in movies stood up and did the right thing and took on bad guys and protected women and children Um and that's maybe that's a very that's obviously a very stereotypical path and I know many women have you know, have an issue with that and go, well, that's, you know, very sexist um, path to lay out that, you know, we need to be saved. <laughs> we need to be saved and we need to be protected by men. Um, and that, you know, that that's fine. That can be an argument. But I don't know. There is there is something in how you know men choose to behave that can be the 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 regulator on on certain behavior that we don't like like there's no question about that and that men you know, men exercising better judgment and self restraint, uh, control, discipline, um, and an awareness of their impact on others, and an awareness on their impact in you know this communities, the societies in which they live. That can create a greater sense of safety, a greater sense of stability, a greater sense of of care, and that i think you can interpret that as as saving people you can interpret that as protecting people um and i know there are lots of different scenarios and other elements that you can throw into this conversation that go well, hold on a second. Um, you know, a lot of this stuff is very complicated by many other factors, social factors, economic factors, um, you know, cultural factors uh, before you throw in other things. Um, you know, other things like, you know, maybe addiction, mental health, alcoholism um, and Whatever else, whatever other factors might contribute to this behavior. I mean, and again, I think the, the, the cultural element shouldn't be underestimated. Uh, what, you know, what, what behavior is, is, is tolerated um, and approved of by, by society. Um, but again, as I say, I feel from a young age, I felt aware of that. And maybe that awareness was rooted in sobriety. Maybe that awareness was rooted in a desire to to be in control at all times. Um, which is probably why, uh, you know, at this stage in my life when when i have spoken at different times over the history of the podcast about anger and being angry and losing my temper and having you know moments of sort of great kind of you know emotional outbursts and angry outbursts and that probably challenges me because a lot of my my wellness and functionality and forward momentum in life i think is predicated on the ability to to stay in control um, and doing something like this like the podcast that is an aspect of that because putting this out once a week for the last 99 weeks that's a demonstration of control it's a demonstration of discipline it's a demonstration of order um, regulation, routine, and I—I probably put it, uh, I, I you know—I I have great sort of faith in those structures, and that maybe that's maybe that's been the the the, the defining kind of drive of my—I—I I, I don't want to say my personality. Because I don't think that's quite right. I think my personality is a is a different thing. Like this is more my my mechanics, my uh, my vehicle for how best to accommodate my personality. <laughs> and that desire for structure, order, to me, is like I want, I want that safety, I want that 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 discipline and that kind of controllability um so i can remain soft <laughs> and open and um loving of life and loving of 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 people um and loving of myself i think really is 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 the most important part of that because then if i can achieve that I can be functional in a way I otherwise am not and I can be productive in ways that I otherwise am not and it it's it's an ongoing battle it's it's an ongoing struggle um and if I didn't have faith in this kind of system of regularity I couldn't do something like the podcast and I couldn't do something like my morning routines and it's it's the best way I know to to try and keep myself on track and be in the best position to act upon better impulses. Um, yeah. OK, so. That all might have taken us further away from the fundamental thing of, of parenting than I intended, but of course, Well, yeah, but it doesn't, does it? Because all of that feeds into my parenting style as well, Um, and one of the, yeah, one of the absolute pillars of my parenting philosophy is, and again, I fail constantly. I fail constantly, but one of the 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 absolute pillars of my parenting philosophy is to is to remain open and available and safe to my daughter um for, you know at, at any time and to keep that pathway clear so you know no matter what else is going on that when it comes down to it that she feels I can go to him, and I can present my case to him. I can bring my question to him. I can bring my concern to him. Um, and if that, like that, that would be my my probably probably my solo selfish goal as a parent. And uh, you know, bear in mind my daughter's only nine and a half, but that would be my my goal if I can keep that pillar intact. If I can keep that pathway open as a parent, no matter what comes, um, and I feel that that's on me, so that's if, if that's my only—I mean, it's not—but if let's say if that was my only sort of responsibility, my only obligation to myself, so I could hold my head up as a parent, I—I'd take it to go okay just don't lose focus that this is the most important thing that my daughter will always go i can go back to that guy for 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 for, for counsel to be a, a sounding post um for whatever and it's a safe place um and all you know any other aspects of the relationship can you know come and go and there are gonna be fights and arguments and tantrums um but ultimately that's what i'd hope will 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 stay intact now i said at the top that i want to talk about this idea of what we believe is possible for ourselves and self-belief and a kind of faith in ourselves and i know and i realize now like having spoken about this this kind of childhood or early age kind of idealism and what i felt no i I need i want the men in my life to be better than this um and you know older men in general to do better on this front um so that was an early belief and a huge a huge area of my kind of maturation or certainly the maturation of a sort of a life philosophy um and a type of yeah, the, the sort of the, the, the cultivation of a type of deep self belief in a in a complex internal life um, that was greatly challenged by you know by, by, by sort of childhood. I mean childhood trauma yeah childhood trauma let's just call it that I mean it's um it is what it is I mean some of you may feel that trauma is an overused word um maybe childhood damage um but certainly certainly I would have a strong sense of of myself and a strong understanding of damage that was done growing up um and how how shaping that was um how shaping that was to a very a massively compromised self esteem and self image um and in spite of that as i entered my my kind of my mid 20s I did tap into a very strong belief that, well, simply put, that I was capable of love. And, you know, I think that's really, I think that's really big. And and, and when I say, you know, when when I say I came to this belief that I was capable of love... I am talking about, you know, in a, you know, a romantic sense, in a, you know, monogamous relationship sense. Um, I'd been through a few relationships. I'd had a, I'd, and I'd had a big breakup with uh, a, a woman um, with whom I went out for a, a couple of years. And I was the, the jilted, <laughs> the jilted party, the spurned party and i took it very badly i was you know mid 20s and i was kind of devastated um and i mean i'm laughing at myself because there's a real kind of melodramatic aspect to the whole thing but i did come out of that relationship and come out of the sort of the heartbreak of you know breaking up and you know looking at my bruised scarred heart and I realised, and and it was, I mean, maybe it, it, it wasn't really an epiphany, not one of these kind of striking moments of, oh, it was a real slow burn of, oh, okay. That ember isn't going to be put out and somewhere along the line in the future, I will. I will love someone fully wholeheartedly, with absolute confidence that I have good things to to offer um, and that's a big deal, and it's a form of faith, and it wasn't it wasn't shrill or or frantic or desperate it was very deep and calm and quiet and rooted and that i don't know i mean i'm sort of going right (laughs) that's kind of 20 nearly 25 years ago i came to that kind of understanding um and it was a good feeling. But of course it was, it, you know, it could only be a form of faith because it was a projection into a future life that hadn't happened yet. It was, and it was a projection into a future relationship that hadn't happened yet. Um, but ultimately, that's what I would have brought into the relationship that I've now been in for the last 22 years with my wife. Um, and I brought lots of other things, lots of other far less resolute things, other messier things, other damaged things um, that all had to be worked on and probably continue to need to be worked on. Um, But I suppose where I'm kind of going with this is, you know, there are areas, I think, I hope, I mean, I hope No, if you're listening, I hope, (laughs) I hope, you know, we all have areas where we go, do you know what? I know that to be true about myself. Or, you know, I've, I've deep unshakable conviction that that is a true thing about myself. And they, that can coexist with areas of profound self-doubt. That can coexist with areas of profound self-negation that can coexist with awareness of trauma, of damage, of brokenness. Um, And that, you know, because that's my own experience. Um, And I believe I've recognized that in other people as well. I mean, I I just believe that to be true. And, you know, we we get into an area then of, of, of definition, like what we allow to define us and i suppose for a while when i when i you know refer to that breakup earlier i probably had a a moment of intense uh intense wallowing in misery and self-pity and going you know this is what defines me i'm the guy that got dumped (laughs) but that gets really boring really quickly people are just like for feck's sake So then I suppose I kind of my my kind of organic journey was away from that narrative to go, oh, I'm the guy who learned that he was capable of love. And that was far more in um, empowering. And it had the potential for far more growth. It was much richer soil in which to to plant a seed. Um, you know and and, you know to plant a seed of of one part of my 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 self-esteem or my yeah my my sense of self Um, and it's funny another like these are three big things these are three big three big things in my life um so i believed i could love I had already established this idea of there's a type of man I don't want to be um so there were two things, and the third thing was from a young age I had a strong sense of if i ever up if I ever end up being in a classroom if I, if I ever end up being a teacher, I had a very strong sense of the type of teacher I would be um and yeah i i that informed and would continue to inform how i conduct myself when i'm in a teaching role or a facilitating role to to step into that space and go i'm here to to get this person to a better place in this period of time that i've been allocated whether it's 40 minutes or an hour or two hours or whatever the journey here is to give this person a better experience um, and an opportunity to to learn and to get better and to walk away going that was a positive experience I mean that's the goal and the goal is not to to, the goal is not sort of to self-aggrandize or to go look at me and how great i am it's it's you know it, it's it, the, the goal is to show someone their own potential um and to give them a stronger sense of this is something that's possible for me and yeah you're trying to remove those obstacles of of self doubt and self recrimination in in a student of any age and go, this is what you can do. And this is where you know, this is where this is this is the pathway to, to growth and development and improvement. Um Yeah. So if then I feel in my life to date my areas of success have been in areas of... (laughs) in areas of love, in areas of being um, a man that I can respect. If I, you know, if I look in the mirror, if I assess myself, I kind of can go, okay, I think I've conducted myself pretty well. Um, you know, and to just to go back to the love point, I mean that 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 love, uh, even though I said earlier, I very much built that around the idea of romantic love, monogamous love, relationship, marriage, etc. Uh, you know, that love it goes out to all the the relationships that are important to me, other family relationships and friendships. Um, and I suppose I, you know, that that love also informs my teaching style because there's a love of the of where I how i think about teaching and how i think about being an instructor or a, a trainer a coach a teacher whatever it might be um and yeah so it's 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 in the mix isn't it they're they kind of inform each other and then if i think about something like acting or the creative life you know there's there's you know the the, the self-doubt remains um and that's a funny game to play like certainly acting you know recently you know my first time to do a bit of acting for a few years and I was playing a version of myself um, in that play I just I had to go into this you know go into this mind game of you know you're not acting just be here just be here with these other people on stage and communicate whatever you have to say with honesty and being present Um, and that'll make this a successful performance that'll make this a successful interplay and that was very you know it was very appropriate to bring myself into that role because of what I was being asked to do in the piece Um, but I often I often watch you know you know movies and whatnot and go could I do that could I do that am I capable of that do I have that sort of range as a performer um and you know doubts always remain (laughs) so it's funny like to have that such strong belief in other areas of my life um but then in that area of artistic kind of potential um i falter um so that's that's an ongoing negotiation um yeah so there you go that's um That's kind of it for today, I think. I'm not going to not going to have a particularly long one today. An hour is plenty, says you. Have you been watching? Because I have, and it's bloody brilliant. Beef, this new series on Netflix uh, with Ali Wong and Stephen Young, isn't it? Hell's bells, that is a good show. It is tense and intense, and I've been binging on that. I haven't finished it yet but there's some bloody good acting in that and great writing and it's funny but also very sad um, and quite moving in places and yeah kind of unexpected and things are escalating I'm I'm a little bit over halfway through but that is yeah that is a show well worth checking out if you haven't uh, got onto it already about two very unhappy people very unhappy very angry and the um, yeah the sort of lies they tell themselves and how they lash out and it's it's just a brilliant brilliant premise um, about these two p- people coming into contact with, with each other and how things escalate uh, and just brilliantly executed the whole style of the piece the tone Um yeah it hasn't it hasn't in my opinion it hasn't uh, got a note wrong yet so i'm looking forward to to watching the rest of that over the next week okay so um was that was that apropos of nothing did that come out of nowhere um well no i mean this whole episode has been an engagement with um what with humanity (laughs) with frailty with what you believe is possible um and the roles we, we lay out for ourselves um, so that's that's all that's all in in beef there's a lot of crossover there's a lot of damage, uh, a lot of damage, a lot of pain, a lot of overcoming and failing to overcome and um I think that is that is life that is the journey but um we we endeavor we endeavor to to overcome our our demons we endeavor to we endeavor to um allow our better angels to hold sway i think that's how i think about it a lot of the time um so yeah i'll see i'll let you know <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know how i get on between uh, this week and next if there's a you know which which shoulder i'm turning to okay so look at that's it um As always, you can reach out to me across uh, social media and send the podcast some love. Send the tell some love. Comment, rate, share, um, push back. You go, what are you talking about? I disagree completely. Or have you thought about this? I don't mind, whatever. Have a conversation. Um, And if you are so moved and think this is good, I like this in my life, I like this weekly listen this weekly provocation you can support the podcast financially economically um via the supporter link there should be a supporter link there somewhere um in the details wherever you listen or the patreon link uh, where you can become a benefactor of the show so um anything is welcome so that's it so take care stay safe stay well be kind to yourself and do ask yourself do ask yourself what do you what do you believe is possible for you what do you believe you're capable of what do you believe those pillars of your identity are those pillars of your potential because as i say they can coexist with all the crap stuff it's not as it's not a zero-sum game it's rarely, if ever, a zero-sum game. You want to you wanna stay away from the absolutes. They're, um, you know, you're just going to back yourself into a corner and that's a very stressful place to be. You're going to be like a rat trying to bite your way out. Um, I don't think that's good energy, is it? But maybe if you're the rat, you go, it's the only energy I've got. Okay, I'll leave you with that. Take it easy, take care, mind yourselves, and I will talk to you next week. For episode 100 i've no idea what that's going to be don't get too excited (laughs) it might be it might be an anti-climax maybe it won't be though okay all the best talk to you soon see you bye